In the third courtyard of the Ultramarine Palace, there is a shrine made of jade and ivory. There are no wonders in the capital to match it. Its gilt doors are of the most exquisite craftsmanship, and each roof tile bears a carving that is entirely unique. There is no name or effigy to identify whom it was built in honor of, but there is no one in Slumberland who does not know. If there was still any doubt, on the front of the shrine there is a ragged blindfold fluttering, the attribute of a saint, a sign of a wheel-turner, one fated to bring about the end of an age. And she did. Of all the great matters I was involved in over the course of my distinguished service to the Sovereign, this is the one that has marked me the most. In the epics and in the lecture halls, they do not call me Soul Gavel, Worm Killer, Soul Gavel, Path Beater, or any such thing. Always I am Soul Gavel, Saint Teacher. But there is irony in that moniker, for, as every schoolboy will tell you, I failed in my task. I am a failure to my cause, to my nation, to my honor, and above all, to my liege. I was deserving of whatever punishment the sovereign willed I should receive, yet none was visited upon me. In his great wisdom and cruelty, my lord condemned me to the worst torture of all, a guilty mind. I searched desperately for my vanished charge, even venturing into the feared necroworld, where I had heard she caused great stir. There was no sign, nothing to tell where she had gone. Still I searched, fearing nothing more than surrender, but I should have known from the beginning. There was no redemption to be found here. The story could never end in triumph and feasting. It was only ever going to die smothered in sorrow and calamity. This, then, is my punishment, which I myself have selected as appropriate. I will tell all that happened, right up until I no longer can. I do not ask for your forgiveness, or even your understanding. I ask only for your patient ear, for I am not used to wearing the garb of storyteller. Let us see how I will do. know which of your years it was. They all seem the same to me, but I know the place. It was Ciudad Juarez, just south of the border, where honest citizens and the vilest of lowlifes rub shoulders daily. In the poor neighborhood of Barrio Alto, one warm night, amidst the clothes lines and wandering drunks there came a strange visitor, who by his very appearance announced his total foreignness. Eyeing every corner with suspicion, the bespectacled stranger made his way to a narrow terracotta alleyway. It was a tight squeeze, but he managed to make it to the nondescript wooden door he had been told would be there. Three knocks gained him admittance to a sparse living room, wherein an infirm-looking man was busy devouring a plate of mole. It finished just aquí, doctor. Nuestra cita era las siete. Ya son casi diez. I make it a point to never show up on time for meetings, especially when they involve shady characters. Who are you calling a shady character? Hey, it takes one to know one, believe me. Say, that chicken looks good. You got any for me? No. No chicken for latecomers. <laughs> Is this your way to get me talking business, Ignacio? You know I'm a big believer in small talk. Mi paciencia ya está casi agotada, doctor. Tendría cuidado si fuese usted. 
Mucho cuidado. I get the picture. Tell me your terms, then. I know you're dying to. I want all of Chavenia. And a cut from all your speakeasies in El Paso. Well, that's completely unacceptable. Try again. You are not in a position to make demands, doctor. This is my city. You do business here with my permission. Believe that if you want, Ignacio. I've got my turf, and I intend to hold on to it. Do you want war? I can give it to you. One word, and you lose everything. I just want us to get along. You're a reasonable man, Ignacio. I'm a reasonable man. I'm sure we can reach an understanding. Your trespass must be avenged. If it is not, I will become a laughingstock. Comprende? My trespass? Wait a minute. You think I did that? Who else? Felipe was a fool. He was my wife's cousin. When his head is left on the doorstep of the church, it is a message. You are next, Ignacio Martel. How stupid do you think I am, Ignacio? You think I'd come here if I had killed him? You Yankees have no shame. I wouldn't put it past you. Well, believe me, Ignacio. This Yankee swears he had nothing to do with it. The whole thing's as much of a mystery to me as it is to you. Okay. Okay? Okay. Huh. Didn't expect you to show such understanding. You've pleasantly surprised me, Ignacio. De nada, doctor. Muchachos. On Ignacio's signal, three burly men emerged from a door the doctor had not even noticed was there, and overpowered him within seconds. Ignacio leaned forwards, not allowing even a trace of a smile to contort his aged features. Calma, doctor. No habrá guerra. There will be no war. I will take what I am owed, and will call it even. And if I refuse? Do you really need me to tell you that? No, I just thought I'd ask. What is your answer, then? I told you already. Your terms are unacceptable, Ignacio. Therefore, I cannot accept them. This is your final answer. I'm afraid so. I am left with no choice. Muchachos, llévenlo al patio. Háganlo rápido. Sí, señor. I expected a little more of you, Ignacio. I thought you'd be... Oh, easy, easy! Yankee de la mierda. ¿Qué pasa? Ni siquiera sabes abrir una puerta, idiota. No abre, señor. Esta presa. Do you want me to try it? Hay algo Before the henchman could finish, the door he'd been struggling to open caved in on his head, making the other two jump back in fright. Before they knew it, the force that had brought down the door with such ease was upon them, moving with frightening speed despite its obvious density. It crushed one of them just by leaping on him, then turned to the other, who was fumbling with his revolver. Springing forth like a cannonball, it slammed into him head-on and squished him against the wall. The terracotta cracked from the sheer force of the impact, and the henchman's inner juices burst out like a paper bag suddenly flattened. Ignacio watched all this with horror, then saw clearly as a dark shape turned towards him. He squinted at it in the half-light. Despite its unearthly ferocity, he could tell now it was human. And he saw more than that, too. Una niña. Madre de Dios. A girl. No sooner had he spoken than she moved in a flash toward him, and before he could resist, placed her hand flat on top of his head and pressed down. He cried out in pain. Such was the unbelievable weight of that hand that in short order the mobster's skull collapsed, pouring blood and brain matter down his neck and soaking his jacket. As soon as it was abundantly clear he was dead, she released her grip 
and his head cracked like an eggshell, splattered onto his empty plate. The girl stepped back, her face a cipher in the darkness. After a quick look around to ensure her work was done, she turned and left the way she'd come. Subsequently, the doctor, drenched in cold sweat, peeked out cautiously from under the collapsed door. When he saw the true extent of the horror he'd just narrowly escaped, he had only this to say. What the fuck? The next day, in an only slightly more reputable part of the city, the indefatigable Ethel Kunstler returned to the Fleabag Hotel where she and her associate had taken residence since arriving in the city a little more than a week ago. In room 201, she found a haggard Madame Zetzner laying out her specially marked tarot cards in a tetractus on the bed, as she had done obsessively since the destruction of the theater and the disappearance of her beloved voice. Ethel sighed and took a seat on the edge of the bed, which disrupted the card's exact positioning, just like she had intended. I must ask you not to do that! It disrupts the integrity of the divinatory sphere! Bad enough having to do this under such inauspicious numerology. It was the only whom they had. Do you remember Verbroek? Perhaps I ought to take up my practice again, then. I'm sure even down here there's great demand for the arts I practice. If you learned Spanish, maybe. I thought your language was hard enough to master. I still can't understand a damn thing any of these locals say. It makes my search a lot harder than it needs to be. I'm very sorry to hear that. Perhaps I could entreat the oracle once more. That didn't work the first time. Or the twentieth. Why should it be any different now? Don't be like that. What's gotten into you? Do you know what day it is? Wednesday, isn't it? No. The date. I... I don't know. May 15th. It's been a year. One whole year. Since... Oh! Goodness, has it been that long? All this time and still nothing. It's always the same. A lead. Hope. Then disappointment. Again and again. I went out to the viaduct today because I heard someone said they saw a Kinga girl with dark hair wandering around there. I asked the men there and they said it was a blonde. One of them said she had red hair. It's useless anyway. It wasn't her. It never is. You've made a fine effort, Ethel. Lottie couldn't have asked for a more faithful friend. Effort isn't enough. There have to be results. There has to be something. Isn't that what your cards say? <laughs> the cards say many things, but sometimes common sense is the answer we need. Perhaps it's time to change our tactics. What else can we do? Give up? Certainly not. Perhaps, instead of seeking her out ourselves, there's a way we can make her come to us. Are you saying police? There is no No, you misunderstand. We can put out an advert ourselves. Somewhere she's sure to see it. Wait, where? Hmm, sorry, perhaps see wasn't the correct term. The girl's fond of the radio, isn't she? 
I'm sure the receptors down here can pick up something in English. Suddenly struck by the genius of Zeta's idea, Ethel stared back at her, then started to nod with growing enthusiasm. After a grueling year of disappointment, here was a shining new chance. If she had inspected it more closely, she would have seen how much of a long shot it really was, but she had little wish to do so then. Any chance to see her dear friend, her greatest hope, again. She would surrender only with greatest reluctance. Little did she know that Lottie Lerman was then located only a few barrios away, in a fairly sized house on the banks of the Rio Grande, near the border, sleeping peacefully in a cot set aside for her especially by Gustavo Flores, a local doctor of modest renown. As this upstanding citizen entered the room to check on his house guest, bearing a tray of food, he received an unpleasant surprise. Ya son las tres de la tarde, señorita. Bien hora de despertar, no? Rise and shine. Andale, rise and shine. There we Oh. Dios mío. Not again. Oh, what time is it? Dr. Flores. Golly, my head hurts something terrible. Is that so? Dr drink some water. You'll feel better. Thanks. You're both so kind to me. I, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. J just one thing. Did you leave here last night? Or this morning? Oh, me? Nah, I was sleeping this whole time. It ain't often I can get a good night's sleep. I try to make the most of it. Muy bien. Have some food. You must be famished. Actually, now you mention it. Gustavo! ¿Qué pasa, cariño? Estoy en el cuarto de huéspedes. Ah, está despierta entonces, finalmente. Sí, está. Sí, hello, cariño. Hello, Mrs. Flores. Hola. Gustavo, necesito hablar... ¡Ay, válgame Dios! ¿De dónde viene su sangre? Calma, cariño. Debe haber alguna explicación. What's the matter? What did I do? Ella no sabe. Dile a mirar la propia ropa. My clothes. Oh, golly, that's a lot of blood. Is it yours? I don't think so. Ay, si fuese suya, ya estaría muerta. Tu vespe es una asesina, Gustavo. What's she saying? Dr. Flores, what's she saying? <sighs> she says you're a murderer. Did you kill someone, señorita? If you did, I can't let you stay here. Why would I kill anybody? Aquí esperas. Dile que se vaya. Un momento. Señorita, por favor. Tell me the truth. Trust me, I can help you. I can't remember. While you were sleeping, maybe? Do you remember your dreams? I don't know. I don't really remember my dreams, mister. I like to live in the real world. I understand. But sometimes you can't help it, right? Maybe. I don't know. A long time ago. I was somebody else. What was your name, then? I don't remember. I told you, mister, I don't know my name. Mira, esta loca de remate. Tienes demasiada piedad, Gustavo. Voy a llamar a la policía. Deja que ellos se ocupen de ella. Calota, no. Esta chica tiene una enfermedad. ¿Entiendes? She's not well. No me importa. No se va a quedar aquí. No va, Gustavo. She wants me out of here, don't she? I can go. You'll do no such thing. What kind of doctor would I be to leave a patient in need? Not much of one, I suppose. Exactly. I'll talk to my wife. You eat your food. Okay. 
Here, uh, I'll leave this on for you. That's all right. I don't much like the radio. So yourself? <sighs> he left her with a warm smile. She was lucky to have Dr. Flores. She knew that. Even with a suspicious wife, he was as good a savior as a homeless 18-year-old American with amnesia and Juarez could hope for. But still she was lost. More lost than she had ever been. She no longer knew she was Lottie Lerman, much less the Oneironaut, or even what that word meant. For now, all she could do was exist, taking solace in the waking hours when she could at least be sure she was herself. But when she dared to shut her eyes, she shuddered at the very thought. She was not the only one, either. Dr. Simon Barrett, newly minted boss of organized crime in the city center, was still haunted by his narrow escape the previous night. Well, what do you think? Am I going crazy? <laughs> You're not going crazy, son. You just met the local boogeyman. A girl, huh? How about that? Boogeyman? Let me tell you, she looked plenty real to me. Of course. Down here, all the folklore walks and talks and swallows you whole. That's something you learn when you spend long enough time south of the border. Well, but what's the explanation? How can a girl that size help anybody do something like that to a guy? It ain't rational. Forget rational, son. It's so. She's been terrorizing this town for near three months now. They call her La Sombra because she moves just like a shadow. Wherever there's darkness, she'll find you. That's the goofiest thing I ever heard. How come I never knew about this? It's the Mexicans that talk about it. And only among themselves. I just hear because I got ears everywhere. I thought I had ears everywhere, goddammit. Well, I can't help you there. My advice to you is get this girl out of the picture as soon as you possibly can. If the past incidents are anything to go by, you're next, son. How? Just because she's a spook doesn't mean she can't be killed. <laughs> a couple of 45s ought to do it. Isaac, she squashed one of Ignacio's gorillas against a wall all by herself. The guy burst like a fucking water balloon. Uh-huh told me already. That doesn't alarm you? A little, maybe? Son, I've been in Juarez nearly 30 years. That doesn't even make the top 10. Excuse me. What? Excuse me, this is a private conversation? I'm sorry to intrude. Only I think I can help you out, senor. How's that? And what's with the getup? Oh, sorry. Forgot to introduce myself. They call me El Nagual. What kind of a name is that? It means wizard. A kind of Mexican werewolf. You don't look very Mexican. No, senor, I'm from Ohio. But I know my way around here. And I can kill this boogeyman of yours. Oh? Is that right? Matter of fact, I've kind of been itching to have a crack at her. I'm an expert at killing, see? It's my business. I never saw any button man dressed like that. He's an enmascarado, son. They don't take off their masks for anybody. Even on the job? Nope. Really? Even when you're- Son, I don't recommend antagonizing this fellow. He might be your best shot. Hmm. Okay. What's your going rate then? A thousand pesos. I'm guessing you want that up front. At which point, you'll thank me, then run off to Tijuana to blow it all on cheap whores two at a time. I'm sensing you don't have a lot of faith in me. Give me a shot, senor, and I'll prove to you. I can kill anything. <laughs> what the hell? Alright. There's this guy. Uh, druggist in Bella Vista. One time I went in his store and he told me to leave. Called me a filthy Yankee. 
said I smelled bad. Never seen him since, but I never forget him when somebody tells me I smell bad. If you're so good, that guy's gonna be dead by the time I sit down to breakfast tomorrow. What's his name? I can't tell you that. Or the address of the store. Hell, maybe he sold it and started a glazier business. Who knows? All I know is, you kill him, and you have my respect. And don't forget the thousand pesos. Yeah, that too. Got all that? I got it, senor. That's doctor to you, buddy. Right then, doctor. You won't be disappointed. Quite a character, huh? Just another fruitcake. Let's talk about something else, huh? The two men resumed their chatting, quickly forgetting the strange, self-declared assassin in the jaguar skin cape and mask, who had melted into the crowd outside immediately after taking their leave. It was with great surprise, then, that Dr. Barrett flipped the next morning's El Diario to the crime section, as he always did, and found a report on the brutal slaying of one Ernesto Carrillo, retired druggist and father of four. The article only hinted at the gory details, but made sure to note that the victim was identified despite the head being severed. As he sat marveling at El Nagual's success, the doorbell rang. His maid went to answer it, and soon came into the dining room carrying a covered basket from which emanated a faint odor. Somehow Barrett knew before she said it that a masked man had dropped it off. Should I leave it here, doctor? Yeah, right there. Thank you, Elena. De nada, doctor. Fucking Lord Almighty, Elena! Doctor, what? Get this out of here. Get rid of it. I, I don't care how, just do it. See, si, doctor. Go, go, go. No. Wait a minute. Doctor, you said... Shut up. Take it back outside. Put this next to it. This is mil pesos. Yeah. And if our masked friend was kind enough to stick around, tell him... Tell him he has my respect. I don't understand, doctor. You don't have to understand. Just do as I say. But don't ever speak of this again. See, si, see, si, doctor. She did as she was instructed, and the payment was promptly received. Barrett remained in his seat, entirely put off his breakfast, and pondered what he had just now unleashed. He would continue to wonder for some time, as for a week there was no news of either La Sombra or El Nagual. For Ethel and Zita too, their daring radio plan did not yield the immediate results they expected, though the advertisement went out as planned. In time, however, it did bring a visitor to their hotel, though certainly not the one they sought. Hello? Excuse me, I'm looking for a Ms. Lerman? Lottie Lerman. Or I guess, Lisa Lottie, if she used her full name. Una junkie? A junkie? Oh no, mister, she's no junkie. She's a girl of good character, believe me. Junkie. American. Like you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's an American, yeah. She'd be like 18, brunette, blue eyes, a real sweet kind of smile. No la he visto. Sorry. No? You sure? I came all this way. Bad luck, amigo. There was an ad on the radio. I was just wondering- Hello? Are you here because of the advertisement? Yes. I I'm looking for Lottie Lerman. Or I guess Lisa Lottie, if she used her full name. That makes three of us, then. Oh, him too? Yeah. Nada. No, no, silly. It's Frau Kunzler and I. We've been at this for some time now. How do you know, dear Lottie? Oh, we grew up together. Back in Aurora. Dwayne Taylor's the name. Zita Zetzner. A pleasure. All mine. So, is Lottie here? 
Do you know where she's at? Oh, I think you'd best come upstairs. We have a lot to catch you up on. Okay. So they went, leaving the annoyed concierge to his sports page. In the safety of their room, Zeta filled in the Texan boy on all she could recall. If Dwayne thought things were strange earlier, he hadn't counted on the talking mongoose. Mm-hmm.